Aloha, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the official Ronnie Landis podcast. I'm your host, Ronnie Landis. I am also the founder of the Holistic Health Mastery course. You can find more information on that at holistichealthmastery.com. And today's episode is incredible. Such an incredible topic, such a pertinent topic for today's times, and so much breadth of distinction is brought forth in this conversation. I use that word intentionally, distinction. A lot of times we get overrun by the minutia, by the contradictory information in the health world, whether it be more the conservative, diagnostic, allopathic medical model, or it be the alternative health world, the nutrition and even herbal health world that so much of us are are um, in, you know, where we're swimming in it every day, and yet the core distinctions are not obviously made available to us at all turns. So we have to weed through a lot of that information to find out what actually makes sense, how is it practical to my particular circumstance, and how is it functional? Functional nutrition is key here. My guest, Dr. Roy Dittman, is the world authority, um, ethereal authority would even somewhat fit, um, on detoxification and pre-pregnancy cleansing, pregnancy health, and child development, and he specializes in the perinatal phase of pregnancy where that child or child development, where that child's nervous system and their cerebral um, neurological system, aka their brain formation, is being developed the most at that period, and this man brings forth so much information on this topic, it is incredible, and I've spent a few years actually in a lot of conversations with him just on the side. He endorsed my first book, The Life Food Peak Performance System, and wrote a little bit of uh, information on pregnancy in that book, and really just an incredible individual in his life path. He shares his life path of being um, being living more of a mo- uh, in a monastery, more of a, a raw vegan approach um, to given the given the directive of that lifestyle and also finding himself out of that and more into what he would probably consider to be more of a balanced uh, lifestyle um, I he goes into that and his perspectives on that which I think are very enlightening and very helpful for people that are looking to conceive a child that's what this is really about that's what his work is about. And helping people conceive, uh, helping mothers conceive a healthy child, an autistic free child, a child that is being given all the building material that it requires to come out of the mother's waters, to come out of the womb as a fully formed healthy baby and to live and to get a good start, to get a healthy fresh start, which unfortunately so many children in our modern age do not get. So I'm really thankful for Dr. Dittman's work. And he wrote a book called The Bride and Baby, which is which is essentially the tome of this entire subject matter in all the literary work that's presented on the internet. He really wrote the tome on it. So if you're looking for uh, documented material on this topic, I really recommend you purchase uh, The Bride and Baby by Dr. Roy Dittman. There's so much we can say about this. We go into hormones. We go into, obviously, the whole conversation around pre-pregnancy conception and giving yourself enough time to prepare for the conception process. If you have that available to you, if you are pregnant, then there's things that you need to know. And also, we discuss how important it is for the preparation of a man, because think about it, a man is donating 50% of his genetic pool to the formation of that child. So his sperm quality, the motility and the totality and the of his sperm has to be, is a lot of times more important in the initial phases of pregnancy. So this is just a very enlightening conversation um, on all levels. So I want to leave it at that, and welcome on Dr. Roy Dittman. All 
I have the honor of bringing on a guest today who has over 40 years of experience in the field of um, pregnancy, child development, and many different modalities in the field of nutrition is Dr. Roy Dittman, who has dedicated his professional life to evolving an integral uh, organic approach to prevent birth defects and optimize fetal brain development during the perinatal uh, period, which is the most powerful time to impact human development. Uh, Dr. Dittman, uh, first, I was first turned on to his work actually when I was at David Wolf's longevity conference a few months back. And out of all the speakers, all the amazing speakers that presented, Dr. Dittman got onto the stage at the end of the conference for 30 minutes. And in that 30 minutes, I was so inspired and activated by the very simple information that he brought forth. And his book that is being called by many people as the as the Bible for childbirth and pregnancy, which is called The Brighton Baby, an organic approach to having an extraordinary child. When I picked up this book, I, I don't know what it was, but I got really excited and really inspired by um, the information. So without further ado, let me bring on Dr. Roy Dittman. Good morning, Ronnie. Good morning. How are you? Great. It's a beautiful day here in Anaheim, California. Oh, you're in Anaheim. Yeah, so we got a beautiful. Well, I was just out in the garden, just picking some stuff from our organic garden. We have a pretty big garden here. Oh wow! Right on. So I'm 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 in the Bay Area right now, but I live in uh, downtown Los Angeles, so we're not too far away. Got it. Cool. Yeah. Well, right on. Um, it's a it's a pleasure to have you on, and I think um, my viewers are going to be really excited to hear all the the information and the different perspectives that you're going to bring to us absolutely well i i you know this is a very exciting subject to me when you uh mention the keywords human potential because it's how i started i started with uh, studying philosophy when i was very young and studying linguistics and what's possible for human beings spiritually. I was a monk for about 10 years and during that time uh, living a very strict uh, monastic life and being a you know, raw vegan and a vegetarian and celibate and doing very traditional types of scripture, scriptural readings and interpretations, I, I was very much, um, uh, I say, taken aback by how children in our world are raised. And it's funny because at the time I was studying tantric yoga with my Tibetan Buddhist uh, teachers and with my Advaita Vedanta uh, teachers uh, studying spiritual philosophy. And I was also teaching yoga at the Los Padrinos uh, Juvenile Detention Center. And it was very, you know, sad to see kids in trouble. And I wanted to help them in some way. So, uh, but I saw their parents and I was kind of amazed, actually, that they survived living through what they did and the poor uh, conditions. Later on, I would find out that these children were violent, mostly because they had lead in their brains. Many of these children were incarcerated because they had extremely high levels of lead. And in those days... There was a lot of lead in the gasoline and in the paint. So when I when I realized that that those children were actually quite amazing, that they adapted to so many horrible tragedies in their lives, to violent neighborhoods, and and given what they went through, I was really impressed with them. <laughs> and so when you say human potential, I think about what what children can be if they're given a chance. And if we understand we have enough compassion for where they're, where they're starting from, and oftentimes kids don't get a very fair shot at life right from the beginning or even before they're conceived. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that, and that, that's something that has been on my mind for a number of years. For a long time, When I was before I got into nutrition education, 
I was a martial arts instructor, and I, I led a I led an entire school for a number of years. And one of my big focuses was on developing the youth of the future. Um, and I, I've always had a passion for child development. And now in this this arena, it it really comes full circle. And you know. It, it's inspiring the work that people like you are doing out there because it inspires people like me to to give us more tools and more clear-cut strategies on how we can not only inform the youth and the parents, but how we can give them tangible tools so they can understand what they're up against and they can, um, you know, they can create strategies for, you know, like we were, like we're talking about developing um, human potential. Exactly, Ronnie. Now that's why we we are developing Brighton Baby and the Brighton Method here at the Brighton Foundation, and our focus is on how to give children the best possible start. And it also gives the parents a great start too, because who wants to have a a really horrible pregnancy, or you know, everyone you know, all women want to look better after their pregnancy Absolutely. before. So, you know, what we find is that, is that um, when women really take care of themselves before conception and during their pregnancy and, and cover all these what we call blind spots, they look better after their pregnancy than before. And I always thought that women kind of like were, you know, got <laughs> devastated. You know, you see most women after their pregnancy and they bloat up and they look older and through the years of studying this, I, I've come to the conclusion that um, women get a lot more depleted during their pregnancy than, than even doctors or they are aware of, uh, depleted of gene and minerals and mm-hmm. important uh, critical nutrients because they're making an entire being in their womb. So one of the things I like to do amongst one of the methods is, is really uh, build up her strength while at the same time eliminating critical toxins um, as well, and also balancing the system. A lot of people forget about how important balance is, you know, balancing the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system, mm. the acid-alkaline balance, the, the oxidation-reduction reactions, the, um, the different simple balance of minerals, uh, mineral ratios in the body. These critical distinctions without going into a lot of huge detail because we could cover three days on that one alone. Right. But when you look when you look at the details of these things and you can precisely balance your system out before you conceive, then especially as a male and future fathers, we can see that this makes a huge difference in the quality of life of your child and what they can achieve in their lifetime. And that's where parents get really excited about this whole issue and the subject because you know, almost no one talks about the bright side of all this. There's so much bad news these days about yeah, skyrocketing, you know, epidemics of asthma, autism, you know, Down syndrome, all kinds of birth defects. Uh, if you really look at it, 54%, 54 out of 100, 54% of babies born today, of children alive right now, have some kind of chronic condition, serious condition. Mm-hmm like asthma or diabetes or childhood obesity or autism. And so autism is not the only thing that's skyrocketing. We also see, if you look at the mid-range chronic conditions of children, they're, they're not serious, but just middle, you know, you're talking about 80% of children in America today. That's just not acceptable. I just saw a movie called Unacceptable Levels, that's produced by these uh, really amazing people, Victoria Diorio and uh, uh, this really amazing guy named Ben. And uh, they've just done a great job at getting the word out about why we're in the situation we are in. And it, it's been happening over many decades slowly. But now these children are unfortunately like the canary in the, in the coal mine. And they're warning us that we are on the precipice of a, of a complete, utter disaster as far as a next generation of America. Yeah, yeah that, that's, um, that's really powerful. And I think it's, it's a really powerful concept that, 
you know, we have to know what the problem is in order to create the solution. But once we, we okay, we know what the problem is. It's on the table. Now let's, let's create some sophisticated strategies that are a little bit more sophisticated than the problem. And um, I think, yeah, I think that's the work that you're doing. And it's so important to focus on the solution and to really drive that forward. Um, so I, I wanted to ask you, and I think you, you kind of answered the question, but maybe we can go a little further. What drove you to write your first book? Well, what drove me to write it really was 30 years of being in clinic and having founded three biopharma pharmaceutical companies, uh, you know, directing research at different universities and traveling all over the world, I, I got to see what was really happening in today's world. And um, I, it, it wasn't at all what I thought it would be. And uh, I, I saw so many tragic things that, in my opinion, didn't have to happen. And, and I thought to myself, why is, it, why is our world like this today? So, I mean, good science begins with, with a question, and so does a spiritual practice. It begins with inquiries to, like, really simple things I start with, really stupid questions, as some people might say. <laughs> like, who are we? What, is it, what does it mean to be human? What is the meaning of our life? Mm -hmm. if we, and, and what do we really know, and what... Is it that we don't know that we don't know? And, and what are our blind spots as human beings? And why are we producing children like this when we have so much knowledge and technologies and intelligent people who are, you assume, highly educated, people with lots of money, we're, we're creating all kinds of amazing things in this world. But what good is all of that book knowledge, that abstract you know, junk science, so to speak, which most of it is, actually, yeah. it, it, it is... What, good is all of that if we can't help our own children? And, and that's a basic question that I haven't answered because I don't know. I don't know what's going on with especially our country. <laughs> I mean, I, I see other countries around the world, and you don't have to try to convince them to, to have a healthy family. They're like, of course. You know, of course you want to do that. Here, it's almost like people want you to enroll them into having a healthy family, which I don't quite get. Right. I'm an American. I'm, a, I'm about as American as it gets in my family history, you know, politically, in the military, in technology sector. I mean, you name it, we go all the way back. And I, I just don't get my own country because I travel to other countries and people, you know, they're already there. It's not even a conversation for them to even question such an issue. In fact, they think we're immoral because we're so dissociated from our own children and within our own families. And it's one of the issues I did not cover in Brighton Baby. But I think it's a fundamental issue that has to be addressed at some point. Because, you know, back to why I wrote Brighton Baby, the, 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 there's several reasons. But one critical reason is I realized that there was no book out there. And there's almost no material that gives people a comprehensive, authentic, scientific, and medical and health perspective on everything that you can do and all the different blind spots that people usually don't see coming before they conceive. Because before you conceive is when you have a lot of power to make things go right, to make things go in the direction you want it to, and to actually actually build something that, that you know is going to be a relationship you're going to have for the rest of your life. Because, you know, people never regret having taken these, you know, really minute details and uh, concentrating on their, uh, their health to the extent that they never have before. Mm -hmm. And I tell them, I said, this is the time to do that. If there's any time that humanity agrees, I mean, <laughs> This is the most important decision, the most important thing you'll ever do in your whole life. But yet we take more decision uh, and more time and more attention on around buying a car or, you know, uh, other smaller matters. Right. So, yeah, that's one reason why I did. I said I want somebody to have, uh, and it's, it's bigger than most books, because I wanted someone to have in their hand 
something such that if they read this and they studied this and they practiced this, that they would have not only not have an autistic child or a child with birth defects, but an extraordinarily healthy child. And I grew up in the ghetto in L.A. in Culver City. Mm. I was very young. I was very poor. And some of the greatest people in the world were born poor. So I think we have to remember that, uh, that all the scriptures and all religions say we have to always help the poor. And so I read it that it would be accessible and uh, to even poor people and anybody. Um, and uh, it has a kind of a, it sounds kind of an elitist name, Brighton Baby. Uh, but that that's mostly from living in England. And if you ask English people, they will totally understand why I called it Brighton Baby because it's a symbolism. Uh, Brighton Beach is a, is a summer place of fun and play and sun and vacation uh, in a country that uh, is overcast. <laughs> and when I was a little boy, I used to play there, and it was a place of happiness. And I, my intention is to return this whole subject matter of conceiving and pregnancy and having a baby into a very happy one. And that's why we say here at the Brighton Foundation, you know, you know, we've done the hard part now so you can enjoy your family. So that's the way we look at it. That's that's really great. And um, for everyone listening, your book is about a thousand pages. Is that correct? Yes, book one is about a thousand pages. It's it's on preconception and conception, but there's a lot of valuable things that you can use um, uh, if you're pregnant, and, and and also there's valuable information even postnatal. However, it's not it that the focus of this book is preconception preparation. The reason why I separated it out like that is because. Um, I wanted to make it very clear that there are certain things that you can't do during pregnancy. Like, for instance, you, if you find out you have really high levels of cadmium or lead or mercury or arsenic or nickel or uranium or many other, uh, you know, things like aluminum, strontium, um, you know, you can't really do an intensive detoxification, mm -hmm. elimination of those heavy metals right. during pregnancy because your baby's brain is, is, becomes a toxic dump site for those heavy metals. Right, and those, those heavy metals will become discharged and start to um, become more bioactive. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, they can mobilize and they can cause damage in other areas. And sometimes we forget that the embryological brain and the fetal brain is 100 times, 1,000 times sometimes more susceptible to these toxins and gene suppression than we are with our adult matured brain. Right. And that's an important, these little distinctions are what I like to point out to people because when someone gets an important distinction, that aha moment when they say, Oh, well, if that's true, that means that's something that won't go into my baby. Exactly. So right. if you clear these things out before you, you're pregnant, and you balance out your system. And there's really, there's very clear patterns to autism. Like, you can see it. Like, I can look at someone's chart, and I'm, I can say, you know what, there's a very high chance you would have an autistic child. It's a good thing you didn't get pregnant. And I see that a lot, people going through, you know, fertility treatments, and, and there's nothing wrong with that if they need to, except that I tell people, I said, don't you think it's important to find out what your body's saying to you, why you can't get pregnant. Because when I look at their charts and I see, you know, to the different ratios and the layers, most of the time you can clearly see right there why they're not able to get pregnant. And so I said, you know, the good news is sometimes people are in a rush when they're at that stage of fertility treatments. And we really, we don't focus on fertility per se. We're not a fertility institution or a fertility clinic. Um, and there's many reasons why, but uh, we just that's a specialty that then we refer to to doctors who specialize in that, and I have throughout the years. But we're more the people who come to if you want to have an organic, healthy pregnancy, and you want to correct all those things such that when you do conceive, you don't have a problem. 
And, and so um, I don't believe in forcing pregnancy if your body's telling you not to get pregnant. So. Right. <laughs> that's, that is, um, that's an interesting idea. No, I've never actually heard someone say it like that because, and this is going to bring up another question, but, um, you know, you, you have these people that for whatever reason, they can't, they can't, um, they can't have, uh, you know, they can't give birth or they can't conceive and, they keep trying. It's like this kind of like uh, this mentality. It's it's this drive forward mentality, and we're going to do anything we can to make it happen. But it's like, well, wait a minute, back up, rewind. Why is it that you're not able to you're not able to get pregnant under certain conditions? And so, you know, my question is leading to this: is that we we are basically becoming an infertile society. Like I I, I don't know if it's gone mm. up since I've last checked, but it, sperm counts are like at a fifty percent reduction. Um, it may be maybe way more than that, and so people are having a harder and harder time actually conceiving children. And so that's that's kind of what I want to drive forward with you is like why is that? Well, you know, there's there's so many different reasons, and we go over these reasons. But but one a good example is, for instance, uh, things that, that what I call the compounded effect, and and this is where there's a massive deception going on in the mainstream media mm-hmm. because they are complicit in deceiving the public that we've done the science, you can trust us. And there's nothing that could be further from the truth, actually. Um, if you look at the way they conduct these experiments on, say, thimerosal or vaccines or GMOs or uh, a single chemical or a single heavy metal or all kinds of things. I mean, you know, just if you just take the ingredient perfume, it could be anything, any one of 200 or many or combination of 200 very extremely carcinogenic, toxic chemicals in perfume. So I don't know about you, but I get really slimed out when my, when sometimes my aunts club, you know, hug me or somebody hugs me at a meeting and they have this synthetic, horrible perfume and you can't get it off your clothes. It makes my eyes itch. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know how people wear that all the time. They, they're hormonal disruptors. That's one example, right? Now, when we talk about getting pregnant and what's blocking getting pregnant and what's suppressing these things. We know clearly today that, that there are certain things that suppress our genes. There's no doubt about it that if you have heavy metals like mercury or lead or aluminum or, and how these combine, you're certain to have some kind of suppression of your child's genes. So much of the birth defects are subtle in nature. They're not overt. They're not diagnosable. But they're there. And so what the Brighton method is about and Brighton baby is about is looking at anything and everything that's a blind spot. So going back to our original discussion. So if you look at the compounded effect, if you take, um, if you take any kind of a, a substance and say you do a study on it and they use lab rats, by the way, lab rats are not good analogies to humans because they have, uh, anywhere from 100, 200 times more adaptive enzymes that protect them from infection and mm. microbes and, and, and filth you may, because they live in and evolved in filth. But we don't have that, so it's not even a fair analogy. The other factoid is that when they do a study on one adjuvant, one additive that they put, say, in the vaccine, that particular adjuvant, uh, could be anything. It could be aluminum. It could be it could be loaded like thimerosal with mercury. It could ha- it could be f- formaldehyde. And they said, well, we've done the studies on it, and it seems like it's safe. Well, it turns out if you look at the actual study that was done in 1928 by Eli Lilly on 16 people, I think it was. Uh, this is what the pharmaceutical companies point to. They said, well, we've we've already. We, it's FDA approved. And in those days, I think it was prior to FDA, actually, but they, they had some kind of safety standard that they fulfilled, and they've been riding, coasting off of that little, little wave for a long time. 
Now, if we really look at it, though, we say, well, wait a second, what was that study about? Okay, well, that study was, I think, 16 people, and they were already dying of spinal meningitis, and then they injected them with thimerosal, and then they all died. And they said, that proves it's safe, because they all died. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but I don't call that a safety study. And that doesn't make me feel safe. But I hear these parents arguing and defending vaccines, and it just shocks me because I go to the school and I talk to the PTA. I have four kids. I've raised four children. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there's, there's, they've heard on Fox News or CNN that these experts from universities say how safe it is and so forth. But they never know how to ask the critical questions, you know. So I tell parents, I say, look, I'm not against vaccines. There's the time to vac- vaccinate. Well, like, for instance, you know, say you're, say you're in some foreign country or you're here in the United States and there's a cholera outbreak in the next mm-hmm. town and a lot of people died already. That's a time to vaccinate. That's Definitely. an appropriate usage. Yeah, you're, you're, there's a high chance you could get it. It's a very dangerous disease and it's, it's probably, you know, a wise idea. However, in today's world, we're vaccinating uh, you know, where they recommend 36 or 38, depending where which state you're in, vaccines. That's oftentimes, insane. by the time a child's one years old. Now, think about that. We're experimenting. There's this massive human experiment with very little scientific validity for this. When they're vaccinating for little infants for things they there's a one in ten million chance, or one in one million, or one in two billion chance they'll die or let alone or even get this kind of a disease. You know, some of these things are completely obsolete. They've never, they don't, they even exist like scarlet fever. So you, you have to ask yourself, did you hear, have you heard anybody in the last uh, few years die of diphtheria or? I've never even heard of that. Box or polio. No, because no. see, there's simple ways to address these things. And I, and I put these things in Brighton Baby. It's from the pediatric text. Now, it's right out of the pediatric text, and it works. And I've taken, I've taken my children to all these different, you know, really filthy places, Chuck E. Cheese with the kids with the boogers coming, snot coming out of their nose, and I say, go play with those kids. And then I put them in an iodine and salt bath, mm-hmm. that formula, and boom, it knocks it out. Never had, they never had any severe illness more than two days. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I'd be out of school for two or three weeks with those. Yeah. Right. So that's just not necessary. But, you know, we have to look at the, the these compounded effects. Let's, let's go back to this theme because this is where we get deceived. When we look at the compounded effect of, say, the easiest analogy is a heavy metal. And, it, you know, you can have one heavy metal, say, like uh, mercury. And then if you add copper to it, it's much more virulent. The same with saying things like copper and aluminum. Now, who studies this? I never heard an expert on CNN come on and say, hey, you know what? I've studied the effect, the compounded effect of copper and mercury, which since 1975 they put in people's teeth. That's a very dangerous combination if you look at how things got much worse after that. Now, uh, now, copper can act as a heavy metal in your brain because when it's unbound, it can it can uh, transform into adrenochrome in your brain. Mm. And I used to work in a mental institution. I've seen people on chairs thinking that they were cats their whole life. You know, I've actually seen those kinds of things. Wow. And and you look at that, and we, you only read about it in a textbook. But you got to understand, how did that happen? So I was very curious how that happened. Well, when you get dehydrated, you don't sleep, you're on drugs – you're on prescription drugs, SSRIs, you have a poor diet, you, you, you uh, are exercising too much, for instance, uh, you're under a lot of stress, you have heavy metal poisoning, you have excitotoxins in your brain, you're eating a lot of sugar. I could go on and on. You, you know, and you look at these people that are like this, and that's exactly their history. And so... You know, to me, I, I'm like an investigator. I like to look at someone's history and I say, well, no wonder this person was like mm-hmm. this, right? So it's the same thing with our children. If we look at the compounded effect of, say, copper, and it 
can be extremely toxic. It accumulates in the brain and the liver primarily. So if I say we do some tests on someone, we find out, you know, their hair, blood, urine. We say, look at that. And we say, okay, your copper is through the roof. You got really high copper, really low zinc, you have low adrenals, low thyroid, pituitary, hypothalamus are deficient. Um, and you're an aerobic instructor or a instructor, or you run marathons, you, you work too late, you don't sleep well at night. All these things, you got a disaster and, uh, and say somebody is 41 and they want to get pregnant. Oh, oh, also they have heavy metals. You see, so I can look at that and say, you know, this would not be a very comfortable pregnancy for you, right? I would say that, that we can pretty much uh, say that you would have morning sickness. You would have a, probably pretty severe. And I can say that probably your child would have colic. And because most of that comes from congested livers from the mother. Mm. And and the other thing that correlates very strongly, and this is scientifically and medically validated now, and many medical universities have been studying this, and um, entire books are being written about it, is the connection between maternal infection and schizophrenia, autism, spectrum disorders, and bipolar disorders. And it's not just the women, it's just that that's one subject that they're discussing, because Although the heavy metals don't uh, hitchhike on the sperm cells uh, in massive amounts, the, the damage that's done to the sperm by the heavy metals is definitely a huge factor in the quality of your child. And so I put a big, big focus on men, future fathers. There's two entire chapters, man to man, where I talk to men about why this is important for them to eat right, to take their supplements, to have themselves tested, to know what they've been exposed to. Many men have dirty jobs, you know, and those are fun things to watch on TV, but, you know, there's real people out there doing those real dirty jobs. And the problem is they often have children with birth defects. And so I tell them, please, please get yourself tested. Please do these things before you have a child, before, you know, it's not too late. But uh, so this compounded effect is really the thing they don't talk about in the mainstream media, see, because we're not a, a lab rat. We're not living in a sterile environment where they expose us to one right. substance and they see its reaction in our body. No, the average woman today in America has two, at least 232. That's the average. There's a lot that have twice as much as that. that, that these chemicals you know, in their blood right now. And when they get pregnant, do you think that that detrimentally affects their baby's brain development and their overall development? Of course. Absolutely it does. But it's something that we don't, that's something that no one ever talks about in the media. Well, it's kind of like, it's more comfortable just to kind of shoo it under the rug. Let's not, let's not pry too deep. Let's just kind of work around it. And, um, Let's distract ourselves with uh, any number of modalities that we have. And yeah, let's, let's watch the Super Bowl and watch a Super Bowl commercial about, and then God made a farmer, which, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, what about an organic farmer? Because it's a big difference. If you're on, if you're pregnancy, if you're pregnant and you're eating uh, anything with, with glyphosate anywhere near it or GMO foods, you're in serious problems already right there from the newest research you see from Dr. Stephanie Seneff from MIT, who I was, was uh, very fortunate to have met with uh, at, when I spoke at Autism One conference just last month in Chicago. Um, amazing research she's done. Uh, I really applaud her work and diligence in this area. She's discovered something that is very embarrassing for Monsanto. And we need to call these people to, you know, to the mat and say, yeah. what the hell are you doing with our children? Because we, we should not be tolerating this. I saw this very thing, Ronnie, in, uh, in Eastern Europe. I, I witnessed this firsthand. I lived in many countries throughout Eastern Europe, traveled to Russia and Ukraine quite a lot. And I can tell you that I witnessed the you know, the breaking up of the Soviet Union 
from this issue. People often think it was from Chernobyl or it was from Afghanistan war. Mm -hmm. And those definitely contributed to it. But one thing that made people infuriated in Russia was when they discovered after Chernobyl, and Chernobyl was a catalyst because it, it uncovered corruption at the big industrial plants all over the Soviet Union in the mid-80s, uh, especially this was going on. And, and you saw people pretty much demand the resignation of their entire government. When Andropov was in there, he only lasted two months. And the reason that was told to me when I was traveling there by people who were very high in, up in the Russian government, as, actually as high as up as you get, and, and I, I was told by them that, yes, we... We messed up. And that's why they came out with perestroika or glasnost. They said that means just in Russian, it means truth-telling, right? And um, I think we need that here, Ronnie. I really do. I think, America, we need truth-telling. We have to get it all, have these people come out of the closet and admit their crimes. And we forget them, just like they did in South Africa. I'm not a vindictive person. Mm-hmm. Most people aren't. We're not mean people here in America. But we want to know what happened to our children. Absolutely. And something's happening here, and it's not our genetics like they're trying to uh, deceive us with. There's no way that genes can mutate in one generation that much. <laughs> yeah, and that, that can go into a, a deep subject. I, but I, I think what you're what you're really speaking to is just the real issue is that you know, there's not enough truth telling going on, and it's it's bleeding out from the high, from the the government, if you will, or you know that that level of um, control, and it's bleeding out into the very basic fabric of our our home environment, and it leads to our parents not telling the children the truth, and you know it pa- it's passing on generation to generation this behavior that I believe is actually subconscious and our children are being taught to behave in this manner. Um, it, it makes it very, you know, we live in very exciting times, but it's kind of a duality. We're, we're kind of living with the best situation ever and the worst situation ever all at the same time. Yeah, exactly. I, I and you know, I'm, I'm a long time activist. Mm. And I, for me, I tell parents today, you know, it's gotten to the point where this has, uh, the, all these different issues are overlapped now. We can't separate them. We separate them in our own mind and the media separates them. But in truth, how is it separate? You know, government policy, university research, pharmaceutical, you know, lies and <laughs> deception. And you have, you have several layers of corruption. And when you make a lot of money, tens of billions of dollars a year, there's a lot of power you have in the government. So, but I always thought that I grew up in a country, at least I was told when I was younger, that by my grandparents and um, who were real American heroes, that, you know, we, we actually have a pretty honest government and they're doing things all for the children. And that's what it's all about. No, I believe my grandfather. I think he was doing everything for his grandchildren and his children. But I'm not so sure about other people in our government. Mm-hmm. I think that their motivation is greed. Yeah. And because if it was for the children, we wouldn't have these problems. And and so I think it's time where I, I, I think people have to say, look, these these issues are overlapped. We must, uh, we have to make a radical change in the way we conceive and birth and raise our children if we are to have a viable country. On the other hand, if we can fix these things, if we can implement methods, and it's not just about our method. We're, we're saying we invite anybody to be a part of this discussion in any country, from any health ministry or doctors or government officials or parents. We invite everyone, please participate. I don't care if you want to be a, a perinatal coach or you want your mom and you've seen how, what a difference it makes to raise your child in an organic way, whatever. We want people participating, cooperating, working uh, hand-in-hand with us to get the word out about these issues because 
from our perspective, most of these birth defects never had to happen. We know what to do today. We know how to prevent them. We know how, on the other hand, it, we know what to do to make an extraordinarily healthy, happy, intelligent baby. And that's what we should be focusing on because we're not going to have a viable, you know, scientific, medical, you know, university sector if we continue like this. And, you know, you, we're way behind. You know, China just announced just a month ago that they have a super baby program. 96% of the Chinese public says, hey, great, fantastic, awesome. we love it. You know what I mean? Of course. Now, we're, falling, we're already behind because I helped them with their super baby program in the early 90s. So we're 20 years behind them. Wow. Now, here's oh, what we're on the race to. The, the thing that's motivating me, and this answers your original question even more so, what motivated me to write Brighton Baby? Well, I've been doing this quite some time, a few decades now, and it's a specialty that kind of chose me more than I chose it in some ways. But I, I look at it and I say, you know, what's possible for us to do in the future? What, what can we actually, what kind of a human being can we produce? And what are we neglecting here? Because we, this, is the, this is the time period when you can make the huge, the biggest difference mm-hmm. in what a child will be. In that time period when that, brain, that baby's brain is forming, you know, 80% of the character and the brain is developed by the time the baby's born. And then in the first year, 90%. So that's where we can make the biggest impact on a child morally and ethically and to its intelligence and everything. There's, there's no reason why we should be implementing these kinds of programs, um, you know, nationally uh, and being proactive. It should be taught, all these, these diets should be given to our children in the schools. There's no reason why we can't do that. You know, there's no reason why we can't um, uh, support children's brain development and teach them how to think, not what to think. And, you know, we're not going to have a next generation of scientists that are real scientists. Today, what they call scientists, I don't think are really scientists. Hmm. I mean, you know, and I disagree because they're more like, they're very compartmentalized. They're very abstract. Mm-hmm. And I've been around scientists and professors all my life. Um, and I can tell you that it's, they're, they're not all that bright. I mean, some of them are so dysfunctional. They, it's, I'm so amazed they can tie their shoes in the morning. Right. So, you know, it's not very practical knowledge, most of what they study. And it's so abstract and impersonalized that there's, there's very, very, very little relevance to our daily lives. And so with Brighton Baby, I wanted this to be something where people could look at the blind spots and say, here's what we could, here's the areas where, where we're weak and here's where we can, uh, here's what we can do about it. I want people to be in action. Don't wait for government authority figures or doctors or your parents or clergy or your teachers or professors. All of this stuff, people have ignored this issue. Let me ask you a question. If this was an important issue to our country, then how come we don't even have a perinatal specialty? It doesn't even exist. This is the most important thing in a human lifespan. You know, conception and birth. You know, people act like it's just some kind of accident in the back of a car <laughs> you know? well that's how a lot of people are treating it unfortunately so there's you know but but you know what's great about this one is that once people get into this the dads and the moms they really get into it it is so exciting it's so much fun because now once they get out of what i call the red zone where they get rid of these toxins and their heavy metals and all that and now they're feeling great. They're looking younger. They're getting superhuman strength and endurance and balance and reflexes. And they're just amazed at how great they look, how great they feel. And then, then they get to work in the black, so to speak. That means now they're doing everything proactive. And they're doing all these little details and minor treatments and technologies that we have in clinic. We don't mention a lot of this stuff in, in the book because that's more for the public. We have the clinical and scientific and technological side, which is very exciting. And they, don't even, they said, I don't even, I didn't know this existed. 
And I said, yes, this is, this is the fun part. I told you. And they really get into it. It is absolutely so much fun. And the parents, um, you know, they end up being very, very happy uh, couples and families. Because I tell people, I said, you know, one of the most important sources of happiness, you know, in your life is your children and your family. And, and if we really are honest with ourselves as human beings, the best things that make us happy as human beings aren't things we buy from stores, you know, widgets, just because we can make a widget. I asked them a question. I said, well, what made the widget? Where did the, who invented a widget? You know, at some point, a human brain did. So this is the most important technology. The most important widget is between our ears. Yes. And, and that's, the, that's where you create genius in the womb. And I said, you know, in the East, they say the mother is the first guru. And it's so true because, you know, as a mom, you have uh, all the power to influence your child. Everything you see and touch and listen to and feel, the love you feel for your child, rubbing the belly, talking to your baby, singing to your baby, telling your baby how much you love him or her. And, and the father doing the same thing. And, and you see these babies come out, and they're so sweet. And you don't realize it until you see it. And people say, well, Roy, you're so exciting. And um, every day you, you can't wait to get up. I said, because I can't believe people pay me for this. I would do this for free. <laughs> Tell anybody. Uh-huh. This is fun. You know, because I get to see miracles all the time. Wow. I get to see these kids come out where their parents really put consciousness into it they they meditated you know they did tantra while they were conceiving and they did all these details they had acupuncture and they were, they were balanced and their structures were working and their physiology was balanced and and then they conceived in the right way and and you just can't believe these children you know i'm looking at uh, it's like they're almost not human they're just so <laughs> amazingly aware right at birth mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's almost like you're looking and the eyes of an adult you look at them and they're in a small body but you can see there's something really deep there you know it's quite amazing to look at and i believe myself spiritually because it's where i started i started all this when i was you know it's a long story but just meditating in a garage at the ashram i was you know living at at the time in la and um in 1977 and i was teaching prenatal yoga about that time. But, um, you know, I realized at that time that, uh, that how we conceive babies is somewhat backwards, that not much consciousness goes into it. And I was very curious about how great avatars, spiritual masters, great scientists, doctors, heroes, saints, givers, kind of people that we want in this world, um, how those kinds of children are conceived. Mm-hmm. It's no mystery. I mean, people, they, it starts with intention. It starts with your consciousness. It starts with, 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 with knowing that that will happen. Let me say that again. Knowing mm-hmm. that that is possible. What is possible for human beings really is infinite. That's one thing I've learned. And I'd like to share with you and everyone today is that it's so inspiring to see these little babies come out and see that humanity has a future. When you look in their eyes, you can say, okay, this is a great world. <laughs> you know, this is an amazing miracle right here. And, and what I tell people is I said, you know, please extract yourself from the matrix. Yes. The solution <laughs> that's going on. Because whatever they're telling you, don't do it right now. Take your life and your family in your own hands Read your own things. I'm not telling people to think like me. I'm just asking people to think. That's all. Yeah, just the bare minimum at least. And you will never regret this. I've never had any couple come back and say, I regret having done it this way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, but I've had many tragedy come back and say, I wish I had done it. I wish I did. Yeah, unfortunately. And, And so I... You know, that's one of the reasons why I wrote the book, because I want to, every precious child, must, their life must be spared. And, um, you know, I think that, but at the same time, we have to respect people's choices and, 
And uh, so I look at it in a spiritual way as something that transforms the world um, by the very birth of these <clears throat> beings. And we see Christmas as a celebration like that, and mm-hmm. and in many traditions. Um, but, you know, the best things in life really, really are free. You know, walking in nature, sunlight, singing, yeah. praying, meditating, um, spending time holding hands with someone you love, and, you know, spending time playing with your kids and going out into the garden and picking, you know, wonderful freshly grown things with them, showing them how to make their own jam and, you know, potent jun and yogurt mm-hmm. and, and showing them what really matters in life, you know. Yeah, yeah. And you see, these children are never grow up violent like this. They grow up so compassionate and caring about others. And, uh, and they grow up with the ability to, to think and understand and comprehend the world that they live in quite easily. They breeze through school. Yeah. That's a uh, wow, wow. That's incredibly powerful, and uh, I mean, I I agree wholeheartedly. And it just, uh, you know, it, it continues to motivate me and um, focus my attention on um, where where I feel it needs to be. I, I feel like moving into the future as a, a nutritionist and as a public speaker and health educator. For myself, my focal point is actually going to be more on women's health, pregnancy, um, child nutrition, as well as as well as the whole gamut that I, I like to focus on. But I feel like that is the most important thing is the development of our our children because they're they're essentially inheriting the world that we give them, and for for better or worse, as it may be they're the ones who have to contend with it. So we have to give them all the tools necessary. Yes, yes, exactly. And if you think about it, you know, all of our ancestors did that. Yes, right. This is a recent thing that we're going the other way. That, you know, because back to that compounded effect, I really want to drive this theme in because Mm -hmm. when people understand this compounded effect, now they understand the deception going on in the media. And when you just think about this, and I said this on, on Rebecca's show as well, is that, is that if you take an LD1 test of mercury, that means a lethal dose of mercury for a rat, where out of 100 rats, one rat dies at that dosage, and another LD1 test for mercury. And then you combine them. Scientists projected that two rats would die, right? Because it's mm-hmm. just the same amount, right? But, uh, but no, 100% of the rats dies. Now, that's just two heavy metals, right? A uh, very similar thing happens with things like, you know, aluminum and fluoride. And, you know, uh, you know see, these, these are all in our bodies. Now, when you watch CNN and you listen to these uh, so-called scientists and doctors on, on there. I don't mean to demean them because they're good people. Generally speaking, they mean well. I just would request that they look a little more deeply into these issues and uh, question their own theories a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But um, when you look at what they're actually saying and, and, you, and you look at the, the fact that they don't mention that we have all these toxic chemicals, uh, uh, gene-suppressing heavy metals, ionizing radiation, uh, aspartame, you know, they have Splenda, they have what, now they, they have uh, these MSG, and, yeah. you know, they've got all the stuff that's out there, and these all are circulating in that baby's blood because it's in the mother's blood, right? And the, the, maybe the sperm's already damaged because the father didn't eat well. And so, you know, if you look at, all those different factors, it's quite amazing that an embryo in the mother's womb can even survive, let alone live some kind of a somewhat healthy life. Now, now for me, I look at that and I think, why wasn't this a top priority like 50 years ago? Because, you know, we know about this 
we knew about a lot of these issues, even in the 30s. You can read these old studies. The government knew about it. These were reports before Congress. But these were ignored. Just like in the Soviet Union, you know, corporations were given license to just pollute almost without any restrictions. California was the leading, you know, you know, state in the United States to start making some kind of restrictions on just, you know, some of these standards of air quality and water quality, you know, basic human standards, right? Mm-hmm. But when you look at the compounded effect of this, it's anybody with a seventh grade education can figure out that the compounded effect of all of these pollutants is disastrous upon the developing baby in the womb. And so, you know, the baby can't speak for itself. And another reason why I wrote the book is the babies need a spokesperson. That's me. Mm-hmm. And that's, it. that's you. That's everybody out there. Who can't, these babies cannot speak for themselves. But if they could, they would tell you be doing what's in Brighton Baby. I'm pretty certain about that. <laughs> and there's a little exercise I, I go through in Brighton Baby where I have the moms and dads as a kind of a meditation um, they they visualize themselves as a baby inside of their mother's womb. And without going into great detail and doing the whole exercise. But just imagine you're right now inside your mother's womb. And, and what would you want your mom to have? And what would you wanted, have wanted your father to have eaten like and to have done? And what kind of exercise do you want them to have? So that level of detail, what kind of music do you want her to listen to? Do you want your mother and father to be educated, of course. Do you want them to eat organic, raw food as much as possible? Absolutely. Do you want them to have fermented foods? And do you want them to be, you know, successful and happy and uh, celebrating their lives? You know, you want all of that of yeah. what you do. That is the pure relationship. And I said, you know what? Once you realize that you as a baby in your mother's womb, you want your mother to have all that. It's not a matter of empowering women. Babies don't think of it that way. They think of it like, of course, because I am at one with my mother. There's, no, there's really no difference between the baby and its mother. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have even a sense of separation. So it's prior to the, even the concept, as in Advaita Vedanta philosophy, they say that there is no separation, that that is kind of a made-up linguistic phenomenon that happens out of our mind. But... But in reality, there is no separation. And the original sin was separation from God. And in a certain sense, uh, that's what uh, some of the religious scriptures mean. It's like when we're born, we feel the separation. But it's something that we make up uh, in our minds. In truth, there is no separation. And so, of course, you want your mother and father to have all these things. And I say that's back, when we take people, when we take ourselves back to that original innocence of what we feel like in our mother's womb, that love that your mother has for you Mm. and your father, that is the pure relationship. That is the untarnished relationship. Now go back and feel that right now. And what is it that you're going to do now such that your baby is completely secure, happy, enlightened, fulfilled, it's, it's ready to live its full ontological and complete uh, potential as a human being in this lifetime. And, you know, parents always have their own experience, but it's a very emotive experience because they start realizing things about the world, themselves, their own upbringing. And look, we have to forgive the past. So I don't expect people yeah. to exercise and go, well, you didn't do this for me. That's not the way to do it. Right. But just as a society, but... But, you know, you want to always forgive. Our parents did the best with what they had in those days. And, but think about it in a positive way. Think about if you do all of these things consciously, what's possible. We don't even know. We don't even know. Right. And that, that's the exciting part of it. This, uh, this was an incredible interview. Um, we, are, we are right at our time limit, unfortunately. There was whole bunch of questions that I wanted to dig into, but um, the, I think this was an appropriate direction to take this interview. Um, I'd love to have you come back on at some point and dig into all the, the other technical aspects. I know you're a wealth of information, so there, there's, of course, going to be so much more to talk about, but for everyone listening, 
definitely check out The Bride and Baby. Where can people find this book? Well, it's it's available on our website at brightonbaby.com. And also, you can order it through there. Or you can also get it at uh, many bookstores, have it, uh, Amazon. And the publisher is Balboa Press. It's a division of Hay House. Uh, Balboa Press, um, yeah, they have their own website. And uh, so we're it's doing very well. The, our publishers are extremely happy with it. Um, it is exploding all over the world. We're getting inquiries from... We have over a dozen countries that have inquired about Brighton Baby and their country and ministers of health and, and so forth. So the world is finding out about this. I hope that, that everyone helps to spread the word. Thank you very much, Ronnie. And I'd be glad to be honored to be on your show again. Uh, thank you. Yeah, once again, awesome interview. And um, yeah, thank you so much. Absolutely. Uh, good day to everyone. And- have a great, uh, wonderful life, and be sure and spend, uh, you know, stay in touch. Absolutely. Well, guys, you heard it here first. This was Dr. Roy Dittman. Check out the Brighton Baby, phenomenal uh, piece of work. So we'll catch you guys next time on the Expanded Health and Human Potential Radio Show. <laughs>